Section 10 of Selections from the Principles of Philosophy by René Descartes, translated by John Veitch. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by phone. Of the Earth. 198. That by our senses we know nothing of external objects beyond their figure or situation, magnitude, and motion. Besides, we observe no such difference between the nerves as to lead us to judge that one set of them convey to the brain from the organs of the external senses anything different from another, or that anything at all reaches the brain besides the local motion of the nerves themselves, and we see that local motion alone causes in us not only the sensation of titillation and of pain, but also of light and sounds. For if we receive a blow on the eye of sufficient force to cause the vibration of the stroke to reach the retina, we see numerous sparks of fire, which nevertheless are not out of our eye, and when we stop our ear with our finger, we hear a humming sound, the cause of which can only proceed from the agitation of the air that is shut up within it. Finally, we frequently observe that heat, hardness, weight, and the other sensible qualities, as far as they are in objects, and also the form of those bodies that are purely material, as for example the forms of fire, are produced in them by the motion of certain other bodies, and that these in their turn likewise produce other motions in other bodies. And we can easily conceive how the motion of one body may be caused by that of another, and diversified by the size, figure, and situation of its parts, but we are wholly unable to conceive how these same things, that is, size, figure, and motion, can produce something else of a nature entirely different from themselves, as for example, those substantial forms and real qualities which many philosophers suppose to be in our bodies, nor likewise can we conceive how these qualities or forms possess force to cause motions in other bodies. But since we know, from the nature of our soul, that the diverse motions of body are sufficient to produce in it all the sensations which it has, and since we learn from experience that several of its sensations are in reality caused by such motions, while we do not discover that anything besides these motions ever passes from the organs of the external senses to the brain, we have reason to conclude that we in no way likewise apprehend that in external objects, which we call light, colour, smell, taste, sound, heat, or cold, and the other tactile qualities, or that which we call their substantial forms, unless as the various dispositions of these objects which have the power of moving our nerves in various ways. 199 that there is no phenomenon of nature whose explanation has been omitted in this treatise and thus it may be gathered from an enumeration that is easily made that there is no phenomenon of nature whose explanation has been omitted in this treatise for beyond what is perceived by the senses there is nothing that can be considered a phenomenon of nature but leaving out of account motion magnitude figure and the situation of the parts of each body which i have explained as they exist in body we perceive nothing out of us by our senses except light, colours, smells, tastes, sounds, and the tactile qualities, and these I have recently shown to be nothing more, at least so far as they are known to us, than certain dispositions of the objects, consisting in magnitude, figure, and motion. 200. That this treatise contains no principles which are not universally received, and that this philosophy is not new, but of all others the most ancient and common but i am desirous also that it should be observed that though i have here endeavoured to give an explanation of the whole nature of material things i have nevertheless made use of no principle which was not received and approved by aristotle and by the other philosophers of all ages so that this philosophy so far from being new is of all the others the most ancient and common for i have in truth merely considered the figure motion and magnitude of bodies 
and examined what must follow from their mutual concourse on the principles of mechanics which are confirmed by certain and daily experience but no one ever doubted that bodies are moved and that they are of various sizes and figures according to the diversity of which their motions also vary and that from mutual collision those somewhat greater than others are divided into many smaller and thus change figure we have experience of the truth of this not merely by a single sense but by several as touch sight and hearing we also distinctly imagine and understand it this cannot be said of any of the other things that fall under our senses as colours sounds and the like for each of these affects but one of our senses and merely impresses upon our imagination a confused image of itself affording our understanding no distinct knowledge of what it is two hundred and one that sensible bodies are composed of insensible particles but i allow many particles in each body that are perceived by none of our senses and this will not perhaps be approved of by those who take the senses for the measure of the knowable we greatly wrong human reason however as appears to me if we suppose that it does not go beyond the eyesight for no one can doubt that there are bodies so small as not to be perceptible by any of our senses provided he only consider what is each moment added to those bodies that are being increased little by little and what is taken from those that are diminished in the same way a tree increases daily and it is impossible to conceive how it becomes greater than it was before unless we at the same time conceive that some body is added to it but who ever observed by the senses those small bodies that are in one day added to a tree while growing among the philosophers at least those who hold that quantity is indefinitely divisible ought to admit that in the division the parts may become so small as to be wholly imperceptible and indeed it ought not to be a matter of surprise that we are unable to perceive very minute bodies for the nerves that must be moved by objects to cause perception are not themselves very minute but are like small cords being composed of a quantity of smaller fibres and thus the most minute bodies are not capable of moving them nor do i think that any one who makes use of his reason will deny that we philosophize with much greater truth when we judge of what takes place in those small bodies which are imperceptible from their minuteness only after the analogy of what we see occurring in those we do perceive and in this way explain all that is in nature as i have essayed to do in this treatise than when we give an explanation of the same things by inventing i know not what novelties that have no relation to the things we actually perceive as first matter substantial forms and all that grand array of qualities which many are in the habit of supposing each of which is more difficult to comprehend than all that is professed to be explained by means of them two hundred and two that the philosophy of democritus is not less different from ours than from the common but it may be said that democritus also supposed certain corpuscles that were of various figures sizes and motions from the heaping together a mutual concourse of which all sensible bodies arose and nevertheless his mode of philosophizing is commonly rejected by all to this i replied that the philosophy of democritus was never rejected by any one because he allowed the existence of bodies smaller than those we perceive and attributed to them diverse sizes figures and motions for no one can doubt that there are in reality such as we have already shown but it was rejected in the first place because he supposed that these corpuscles were indivisible on which ground i also rejected in the second place because he imagined there was a vacuum about them which i showed to be impossible thirdly because he attributed gravity to these bodies of which i deny the existence in any body in so far as a body is considered by itself because it is a quality that depends on the relations of situation and motion which several bodies bear to each other 
and finally because he has not explained in particular how all things arose from the concourse of corpuscles alone or if he gave this explanation with regard to a few of them his whole reasoning was far from being coherent or such as would warrant us in extending the same explanation to the whole of nature this at least is the verdict we must give regarding his philosophy if we may judge of his opinions from what has been handed down to us in writing i leave it to others to determine whether the philosophy i profess possesses a valid coherency and whether on its principles we can make the requisite number of deductions and inasmuch as the consideration of figure magnitude and motion has been admitted by aristotle and by all the others as well as by democritus and since i reject all that the latter has supposed with this single exception while i reject generally all that has been supposed by the others it is plain that this mode of philosophizing has no more affinity with that of democritus than of any other particular sect two hundred and three how we may arrive at the knowledge of the figures magnitudes and motions of the insensible particles of bodies but since i assign determinate figures magnitude and motions to the insensible particles of bodies as if i had seen them whereas i admit that they do not fall under the senses some one will perhaps demand how i have come by my knowledge of them to this i reply that i first considered in general all the clear and distinct notions of material things that are to be found in our understanding and that finding no others except those of figures magnitudes and motions and of the rules according to which these three things can be diversified by each other which rules are the principles of geometry and mechanics i judge that all the knowledge man can have of nature must of necessity be drawn from this source because all the other notions we have of sensible things as confused and obscure can be of no avail in affording us the knowledge of anything out of ourselves but must serve rather to impede it thereupon taking as my ground of inference the simplest and best known of the principles that have been implanted in our minds by nature i consider the chief differences that could possibly subsist between the magnitudes and figures and situations of bodies insensible on account of their smallness alone and what sensible effects could be produced by their various modes of coming into contact and afterwards when i found like effects in the bodies that we perceive by our senses i judged that they could have been thus produced especially since no other mode of explaining them could be devised and in this matter the example of several bodies made by art was of great service to me for i recognized no difference between these and natural bodies beyond this that the effects of machines depend for the most part on the agency of certain instruments which as they must bear some proportion to the hands of those who make them are always so large that their figures and motion can be seen in place of which the effects of natural bodies almost always depend upon certain organs so minute as to escape our senses and it is certain that all the rules of mechanics belong also to physics of which it is a part or species so that all the artificial is withal natural for it is not less natural for a clock made of the requisite number of wheels to mark the hours than for a tree which has sprung from this or that seed to produce the fruit peculiar to it accordingly just as those who are familiar with automata when they are informed of the use of a machine and see some of its parts easily infer from these the way in which the others that are not seen by them are made so from considering the sensible effects and parts of natural bodies i have essayed to determine the character of their causes and insensible parts two hundred and four that touching the things which our senses do not perceive it is sufficient to explain how they can be and that this is all that aristotle has essayed but here some one will perhaps reply that although i have supposed causes which could produce all natural objects we ought not on this account to conclude that they were produced by these causes for just as the same artisan can make two clocks 
which though they both equally well indicate the time and are not different in outward appearance have nevertheless nothing resembling in the composition of their wheels so doubtless the supreme maker of things has an infinity of diverse means at his disposal by each of which he could have made all the things of this world to appear as we see them without it being possible for the human mind to know which of all these means he chose to employ i most freely concede this and i believe that i have done all that was required if the causes i have assigned are such that their effects accurately correspond to all the phenomena of nature without determining whether it is by these or by others that they are actually produced and it will be sufficient for the use of life to know the causes thus imagined for medicine mechanics and in general all the arts to which the knowledge of physics is of service have for their end only those effects that are sensible and that are accordingly to be reckoned among the phenomena of nature and lest it should be supposed that aristotle did or professed to do anything more than this it ought to be remembered that he himself expressly says at the commencement of the seventh chapter of the first book of the meteorologies that with regard to things which are not manifest to the senses he thinks to adduce sufficient reasons and demonstrations of them if he only shows that they may be such as he explains them two hundred and five that nevertheless there is a moral certainty that all the things of this world are such as has here been shown they may be but nevertheless that i may not wrong the truth by supposing it less certain than it is i will here distinguish two kinds of certitude the first is called moral that is a certainty sufficient for the conduct of life though if we look to the absolute power of god what is morally certain may be false thus those who never visited rome do not doubt that it is a city of italy though it might be that all from whom they got their information were deceived again if any one wishing to decipher a letter written in latin characters that are not placed in regular order bethinks himself of reading a b wherever an a is found and a c wherever there is a b and thus of substituting in place of each letter the one which follows it in the order of the alphabet and if by this means he finds that there are certain latin words composed of these he will not doubt that the true meaning of the writing is contained in these words although he may discover this only by conjecture and although it is possible that the writer of it did not arrange the letters on this principle of alphabetical order but on some other and thus concealed another meaning in it for this is so improbable especially when a cipher contains a number of words as to seem incredible but they who observe how many things regarding the magnet fire and the fabric of the whole world are here deduced from a very small number of principles though they deemed that i had taken them up at random and without grounds will yet perhaps acknowledge that it could hardly happen that so many things should go here if these principles were false two hundred and six that we possess even more than a moral certainty of it besides there are some even among natural things which we judge to be absolutely certain absolute certainty arises when we judge that it is impossible a thing can be otherwise than as we think it this certainty is founded on the metaphysical ground that as god is supremely good and the source of all truth the faculty of distinguishing truth from error which he gave us cannot be fallacious so long as we use it aright and distinctly perceive anything by it of this character are the demonstrations of mathematics the knowledge that material things exist and the clear reasonings that are formed regarding them the results i have given in this treatise will perhaps be admitted to a place in the class of truths that are absolutely certain if it be considered that they are deduced in a continuous series from the first and most elementary principles of human knowledge especially if it be sufficiently understood that we can perceive no external objects unless some local motion be caused by them in our nerves and that such motion cannot be caused by the fixed stars 
owing to their great distance from us unless emotion be also produced in them and in the whole heavens lying between them and us for these points being admitted all the others at least the more general doctrines which i have advanced regarding the world or earth for example the fluidity of the heavens part three section forty six will appear to be almost the only possible explanations of the phenomena they present two hundred and seven that however i submit all my opinions to the authority of the church nevertheless lest i should presume too far i affirm nothing but submit all these my opinions to the authority of the church and the judgment of the more sage and i desire no one to believe anything i may have said unless he is constrained to admit it by the force and evidence of reason end of section ten recording by phone end of selections from the principles of philosophy by rene descartes translated by john veitch